Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about Mars and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. One for each other and all for one. The three brave amigos are we. Brother to brother and everyone. A brave amigo. <laughs> don't we don't want to be too unbearable, right? We've already oh, no, no, no. All we, of, we already conquered all of Europe, and we're not going to stop from Paris <laughs> down to Turkey through Spain. We've won the effing lot. They already know that we know that he's our centre half, our number four. We've watched him defend and we've watched him score, and they know that Mo Salah running down the wing, our Egyptian king, and we all know that Cicinho will give him the ball and he will score. So we don't want to be too unbearable. So I'd say, let's talk about FPL, baby. Let's talk about Salah, Sterling and more, baby. Let's talk about all the formations, all the implementations and all the, I don't know, premiums up top, premiums at the back or in the middle. I don't know. Come in. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, because um, uh, I know any, any non-Liverpool fans who are still listening after this point, the rest of the pod, we will, uh, we will try to be less unbearable. I think we just but, uh, lost. Half our listenership. <laughs> but uh, Adam, Adam, you must have must have known that was probably coming on tonight's pod, yeah. Oh, um, I love Liverpool fans, yeah. They're, they're so they're so terrible. <laughs> so. Yeah. Hashtag, hashtag unbearable, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, th- that that voice you hear is, of course, Adam Hopcroft, our guest today. But um. To our listeners, hello and welcome, of course, to the first Three Amigos FBL podcast ahead of the new Premier League season. I'm your host, Don, and I'm joined, as always, by my amiga, Kylie, and my amigo, Mars. Um, welcome to the show, folks. Um, I'll come back to you two in a minute, but um, first up, uh, what to wish our warmest uh, welcome to our buddy, Adam Popcroft. Um, Adam, thanks a million for joining us. You're our first guest of the new season, so um, hopefully it'll bring us all nice, a nice, nice lucky tidings for the, for the new year. Yeah, hopefully for all of us. Yeah, indeed. We're here with a record of top 10K in six of the last eight seasons, I believe. And having featured in our podcast last season, you, of course, need all, no introduction. But um, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and where they can find you on social media. Yeah, of course. So you can find me, um, Hopcroft 13 on Twitter, um, as well as, um, I suppose, being a big fantasy football fan. I'm a big Villa fan, so... I've got the, the joys of uh, having a team support <laughs> and making loads of unbiased decisions. So if I'm, if I'm convincing people to bring in Wesley and Jack Grealish, that'll be why. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll add a definite extra dimension for you this year anyway. When you'll, uh, when you're happy with the, were you happy with Tyron Minks? Oh, if you if you looked at um, the the, the um, any of the Facebook groups I'm on, I think that was the player that everybody wanted to sign. I think he was one of the reasons, probably him and Jack Grealish coming back, that we got up. I mean, our defensive record completely changed. He is, having watched him live a number of occasions, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. So as long as he stays free, then that... Yeah. He had a huge future before he went to Bournemouth and then it just went... went He had two bad injuries, I think, didn't he? And he is just... just, Yeah, they were quite brutal, I think. They were, they were, but he's, he's, he's very composed. He's quite a calm character. He's... He's, he's just everything you want in the centre half, and it'll be good to see him compete in the Premier League and hopefully 
he'll uh, he'll do do a good job. But I think a lot of Villa fans are delighted that he joined. And I think he's got good value in FPL. So yeah, I was going to say four point five million. We don't have much choice. Uh, well, I mean not 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 much unknown choice anyway. So uh, non choice. So. He might be a good. Uh, we, a we'll definitely. I think we'll definitely pick your brain at him um, later on because I know that the promoted teams are always the ones where we know least about, I guess, and the players. Yeah. And it's it's more we, we probably do know like the likes of Jack Grealish, the quality he has, but it's it's knowing the um, whether or not the defensive options have real FPL value or whether yeah, they're going to be one of these save like defenses. Well, hopefully the way, but yeah. <laughs> mm, mm. But uh, we'll we'll definitely touch on all that later on. Um, the um, of course, folks. Um, this season we will of course be running our Three Amigos Listeners League once more. Um, so check out our Twitter handle, and you'll see the we'll put we'll post the link to the league there. We always do close it generally after a month or so, so that we'll keep that um, the league table a bit kind of consistent, where we won't have people just bouncing in um, in March or April. Um, but uh, yeah, so so do check out our Twitter handle at Three Amigos FPL, and you'll see the link for that there. Um, also, um, in the run up to the season, of course, we the podcasts are starting to warm up again. But um, do check out our Getting to Know You episodes from last year and for the last couple of years, uh, where we interview FPL managers from all over the world. So they're great listening, li- great listens at all times of the year, really. Um, there's plenty of strategy in there, but also getting to know the people in the FPL community. Which um, so we're we're very fond of those podcasts. And uh, our listeners are very fond of them as well. Uh, Marzi Baby, for the first time um, in the 2019-20 season, I'm going to hand the microphone over to you to give us um, to get rid of any build-up of excess fantasy angst. And so, Marzi, uh, take it away. Yeah, well, I don't know where to start. Maybe I'll come over to Ireland and immigrate based on the options that we have for prime ministers right now, or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, You're bringing the tone yeah. right down. They're not so Marzi. great over here. Huh? <laughs> We're talking politics. <laughs> well, you know, hey, it, you, you said get any angst out, so I'm telling you, like, I might have to. It's no FBL angst. Well, there's more than welcome over here, Mersey, anyway. <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's 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 always funny, right? But I feel sorry for people at FBL hierarchy because you can never please anyone. As at, as soon as the prices came out, too expensive. Some of these players are too expensive. We can't afford them. And then the cheap ones, they're too cheap. Everybody's going to get them. Oh, it's going to be a template. I mean, come on, guys. Seriously, like, it's just the start of the game. And you look at the teams, and actually, yes, there's always going to be a template because, well, few players that are going to be a template because some players, we all want Salah, we Sterling, uh, a premium forward, the defenders. It's, it's, it's not really science. It's about how you actually fit all these players. So what I'll say is, this, now this looks like a joke for me, so everybody just follow me because we need a little controversy. So let's stop complaining. <laughs> let's stop complaining. <laughs> And play the game. Enjoy it. Yeah, I know. Oh, this, this should be how, the exciting how, how time of the year. That, right? Yeah, there, there is a lot of there is a lot of complaining, and I don't really get it either because I'm just I'm just enjoying going through the first drafts and uh, and not feeling any real pressure yet. But um, what Adam, um, as our guest, come to you first. On it, do you feel like is is there like the pricing structure was there anything that kind of jumped out at you? in terms of, you know, things that were obviously underpriced or overpriced um, players. I know there's a few that bounced up in terms of the price, like the Liverpool fullbacks, um, um, you know, and a few things like that, that were, there was big price changes. But um, how do you feel the FPL um, gurus got on with their pricing structure? I honestly think they've done a really good job. I, I, I think there's only probably a handful that 
I'd look at and question. I think firstly, I thought the Liverpool defenders might come in a little bit more. So I was quite pleased to see them come in uh, seven, seven million for Robertson and TAA. So I was quite happy with that. Um, I think in general, they've got things right. I mean, I think Salah did probably need to come down. I think Kane at 11 million is about right because he's looked a little bit out of sorts ever since the injured ankle at Bournemouth uh, a few years ago. He's never quite looked the same player. So I think 11 is probably about right for him. I think Sterling is right as well. So I, I think. I think they've got the pricing right. And what it might do is force possible um, formation change mm. is for people. I know there's been a lot of 5 three twos, four, um, four, four twos. Um, And I think more people will go big at the back because of the price in this year. And there's no yeah. real standout 5.5 million forwards. So. Yeah, the forwards, there's definitely, I think, um, looking like a move away from three up top um, for FPL managers uh, with the prices that they are. And I do, I agree, the Kane move back to 11, if he was up at the same price as last season, I don't think anyone would be really looking at him. As much as their opening fixtures are quite good, um, he just hasn't looked as dominant as what he did in previous times. But uh, Kylie, what about yourself? Do you think, um, I know that like one thing, if I was looking and wanting to be a little bit finicky, Robertson and TAA being the same price, if TAA was a half mil cheaper or something, it might make it a little bit more of a, um, it, might, it might give a little bit more impetus to going Trent over Robbo. Um, but um, what's your thinking on the pricing? Was What jumped out to you? Well, I... Oh, on Trent and on Robbo, I was variously an owner of both of them last season. I think there's plenty of good reasons why someone might choose to go Trent over Robbo. I think both choices are justified. I mean, Trent didn't play all the matches and he still got, what, four, was it 14 assists or something? Um, and he certainly nailed himself down a lot more now. So I think you could see a lot of people... Um, sort of splitting up between the two of them. I don't know. It, it'll keep it interesting that we've of what I would view as a, affordable Liverpool options, if they're anything like what they were last season. Um, mm. A lot of people did expect them to come in higher. What I would say on pricing in general is I don't think it's that they got pricing wrong. Um, like Adam says, I, I think for the most part they were pretty bang on. What it is, though, is that um, – while they did price people accurately based on what they've they've produced um, or maybe their potential this year, there's still a lot of gaps. I just think that some of those players who historically would have been cheaper, we're looking at Bournemouth in particular here, um, they really performed so strongly last year that they've all gotten a substantial price hike um, that they haven't had in previous seasons. So there's this gap, particularly in the, the mids and the forwards, where you look below 6.5 in particular. And there's just, it's like, you know, rolling hay bales or whatever. It's it's looking really not interesting in that space. Um, so hopefully something emerges um, out of that. And then typically it, there will be. I, I think it equals out though, to be honest. Okay, there might not be much choice I don't know if I look at it like in the defenders, you've got the premium ones. And then, so yes, maybe Wolves defenders suddenly jump into five. But they did well, to be fair. Most of them did oh, well. Cody played every game. I wouldn't say that about the, the defenders so much. This is more yeah, the, the mids but, and the forwards. Typically, you would still have a couple of um, 
ones in in the lower ranges that look like they could be interesting, whereas yep. I don't think so this year. I think what, what's, what's difficult right what's difficult right now is the fillers for me because we don't know what four point fives are going to do well. Like the four point fives right now, Fredericks from West Ham, for example, he's got potential. When we've seen him play, he does well. But is he going to play? Is he going to start? So right at the beginning, you're not sure. You don't know which four is going to play because. Yeah, um, okay, so last year we all had a feeling about Biscuit and we all jumped on him and, and he did well, but is it going to be Kelly? But is, Will Ward start? Will they sign somebody else? Will, will there be a player from the promoted teams that, that does well? It's very similar also with the forwards because if you go in with one premium and, and like one mid, because there's a lot of options around the mid, I think, actually for forwards. You know, King, Jota, I, they could have been more expensive than that. Below to be honest, that, because, though, mm. I would say I'm but talking that's below six point five. And 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 that's what I'm talking about. The fillers, the fillers, we just don't know. We don't know how they're gonna do. So it's kind of like you're taking a punt uh, early on. Same with midfield. Actually, I think around the middle there's loads of options. But then when you go down to the fives, five point five, four point five. Honestly, it depends on who's playing more. You probably end up with Stevens or Dendonka, just to fill to fill your team. Mm. But I think it makes it more interesting, to be honest, and and because it is going to be around those, dif- it's who jumps on this differential early on. It's uh, you know uh, who who sees that that train and jumps on it, um, and what? those different players that you have. I, I agree. I think Kylie's point spot on. I think the we tend to find is that the um, as a few weeks go on, the value options will emerge. So if you look at last season, nobody really knew too much about Raul Jimenez. And I don't reckon a lot of people would have had him at the start, whereas three or four weeks in, I think that's when I, a lot of people jumped on him. Same with Ryan Fraser, really. I mean, I think a lot of people ended up picking Josh King from Bournemouth and maybe avoiding the likes of um, likes of Fraser. So I think the option values will emerge. And I think there's, there's plenty of players that, that we probably just aren't aware of that will be. Um, good, mm. good value. Like, they, we also haven't there. seen um, pre-season yet. Pre-season is often a, a key indicator that we would look at um, in determining who these cheap ones are. That's how we all went biscuit last year, to use yeah. Mars as example. You know, and, and what a pick that turned out to be. So we, I think it really will be a case of all eyes on, on pre-season and, and hoping that now that's not always the best indication. I mean, it's been a red herring plenty of times, but usually I think the game launches while pre-season is underway. So mm. I think we're all coming in, um, you know, with a bit less information perhaps than before. So that's probably part of why there's this um, struggle to identify the, the value picks. Yeah, and I think, uh, of course, pre, pre-season is always, it's it's basically it does add some more data to our, or more even player knowledge to our, um, to, to our, to what we think of the players and what the options are. But um, it's important, obviously, not to overreact to it because you will see players who will end up on loan at Derby um, next yeah. season, who'll be scoring hat tricks probably in preseason games. Um, but the um, but let's 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 actually kick straight on actually um, to what of course is our big topic of the week, which um, for me is what team structure. That's what all the discussion seems to be about in the preseason, setting up your squad to give you the best possible start of the game. As Adam, you mentioned there a minute ago, um, it is really the first few weeks to be in the position to adapt um, your strategy and to get in those players 
those value players and be in the best possible situation for that. Um, will you um, enlighten us basically on kind of what tends to be um, your strategy to, to start the season? Do you have a favourite formation or does it all kind of depend on where you see player value each season? Um, I know, as I mentioned, it is it is basically like some structures, some formations can tend to be a little bit limiting in terms of where you can move off and how you how fast you can react to um, two players emerging in the game. Um, is that what you feel like too? Yeah, exactly that. So uh, it's a bit different this year. So I think majority uh, of times I've started with three, four, three, but I think there's probably been the players to do that. This season, I'll, all, I'll, I'll be going with one of two formations, so either 5-3-2, but more likely 4-4-2. When I think the big reason for having the extra person in this field is that's where I can see that extra value pick coming from. So Chelsea really interests me. I think the likes of William, Loftus-Cheek, if, he, if he's fit enough to start the season, um, Hudson Adoy, there's plenty of options there that, that potentially could emerge. I think having two uh, two strikers is important as well because otherwise you're going to have two realistically non-playing 4.5 players. So that uh, again can be quite restrictive. Um, I actually did. So I, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I looked at the points per match last season. And this year's prices and the optimal team I could come up with was a 5-3-2. Um, and it's basically and it gets you 60 points per match, um, excluding captains. So I can read it to you now. So it's um, this. This is why we got you on, Adam. This, this, yeah. this is the reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You did your homework. Good man. <laughs> Saved us from doing it. <laughs> In terms of maximising it, so I think a tweet. They've got Gunning Gold, who got 3.9 points per match. Then you've got a, a pretty awesome back five of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Van Dyke, Alonso, who could be a good option depending on if Frank picks him, and Laporte. You've then got Sterling, Zaha, and a new entry today, Tillemans, who got 4.8 points per match. And he's, he's actually coming at 6.5 million, so I think he could be a possible option. And then Wilson and Kane up front. So just just slow, Adam. That I need to write down the name so I can copy this team down. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually delighted about Tillemans coming in that price. Just cutting in, he was super pick last year when he played. So I think Leicester have done well there. I think if a lot of I've seen a few people mention that are we, you know, his XG wasn't great or. He, he plays a little bit further back than some of the other players, but I think if you watch him play, he's just he just got he's just an outright quality player, and nice, he's the sort yeah. of player that can put the ball in the top corner from thirty yards. He's, he he seems to have quite good link. He seems to be able to spot a pass for Vardy as well. Like, like, well, and the the other thing is, I've seen a lot of similar comments actually, um, and they're all saying, you know, for previous teams, he's never had much output and everything. But the point is, he's playing and was playing for an attacking Leicester outfit under a decent manager. So you do have to be careful about making those comparisons. If we didn't have any data on him playing for Leicester, then we might go, oh, okay, based on the past, doesn't seem that good a pick. But, you know, he played, what was it, 13 matches or something for Leicester, and he was insanely consistent during that period and just looked really strong. 
I think he had a spell, didn't he, about five or six games in a row where he Just got a constant. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I think I'm at the moment. I'm looking at either four four two or five three two. I will very likely go four four two, and I'm just I've, I've set my team up. I'm not going to tinker until probably a week before the season. Now, I just enjoy seeing what happens in pre-season. I, I'll probably use pre-season to decide who, which players I think will start. I'm not too bothered about the form because I don't. I, you know, you see, I, I remember for Villa, Scott Sinclair was putting in hat tricks left, right, and centre, and look how he turned out. So, I think mm. you've got to take that a bit with the pinch. Is um, it one one thing is um, you know the you know a lot of people tinkering or thinking possibly of going with one up front with two budget players, say they have Kane or Aubameyang um, up front. But um, what I found when I actually tried to do a draft like that is it really does make your team very, very um, restricted and unflexible. So you uh, or is it inflexible, Mars? You can tell me. Um, but the uh, but you know if you've won up top, it's because you, you you're off the bench. You're five five in defence is okay once you've got two good forwards because you um you have a little bit more wriggle room and if somebody's coming off the bench whereas I found that I had literally turds on my entire bench was when I actually went with that one up top um strategy. But um I'm definitely I think tinkering with the idea of going five at the back. Um but uh but there are a lot of even good fifth mid fifth defenders or fifth midfielders that you can actually easily switch to a four four two. Um, to to fit that once you have two up top, um, Kylie, what do you think? Um, what's your what's your what's your formation looking like in your in your early drafts? Um, and what would you be thinking on what Adam just told us? Yeah, I, I think this is a really interesting year because um, I, the last couple of years and, and certainly last last season, there was this whole push uh, for going heavy at the back, so a four or five man defence. Um, and then that all kind of died off. I mean, at that time, you know, we had Mendy and all these sorts of things. And then it died off and, and the season started and, and everyone sort of reverted back to the traditional 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that hype again this year. Um, typically, I would only be interested in a 3-4-3 three, three or a 3-5-2. I, I don't tend to play more than three defenders. But I think that the... The push this year is for just cause when we're looking at the the value piece um, that a lot of people have been talking about in terms of how much you're spending on, say, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Laporte, all of these kind of guys who are, you know, getting high hundreds to 200 points last season, a load of goals and assists, um, and then you compare that sort of price range in in midfield and in forwards and even the ones who performed well certainly didn't perform to that level. Now, you can't pick a team based on value alone, obviously, but I do think that there is a case this year for certainly going four at the back, which I would I don't think I would ever stretch to the five, to be honest, um, but I could see me doing a 4-4-2 a situation because I do – like to have um, at least four def- uh, midfielders. They have so many avenues for points, and I, I just think that the forwards are sort of becoming trickier um, now. In terms of get, you can you can certainly get a, a couple that are really good, and they will change. You know, if it's Kane, Aguero, you know Wilson, all of these guys. But 
playing with two forwards, whether they are cheaper forwards or one's a premium or whatever, I think you can manage that. The, the concern I would have about going too heavy at the back, um, which I'm sort of looking at at the moment, is if you want to have, say, Salah and Sterling as well, it, it makes it quite tricky to, to have a premium forward. I mean, you mm. can do it, but you're you're sort of making sacrifices elsewhere. So it's for me, it's a little bit of balance at the moment. It would be a 4-4-2, I would say, or a 3-5-2. Yeah, the way I'm even looking at Robbo and Trent and these ones is more like their midfielders. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. the amount of assists yeah, spot and so on. on. Spot on. Different propositions. It's like you play. It's like you're uh, playing two five three. It's like you're playing mm. two five three because you're you're you wing backs. Really, to be honest, if you think about Trent and and Robbo, seven million, you need to compare them versus what the, the seven million midfielders. Now I know there's a lot of good seven million midfielders, but they beat every single one of them. Getting, yeah, getting I mean. Points. I mean, in points, definitely. But, I mean, attacking output actually removed the clean sheets, right, because they got a whopper amount of clean sheets. But Trent Alexander-Arnold, one goal, 13 assists. Robbo, zero goals but 12 assists. They both cleaned up in bonus as well. And then you're adding in the um, clean sheets. And, I mean, they're getting more points for a bonus, for a a goal, sorry. So – the way, look Liverpool, at, the way Liverpool are playing... Sorry, go, go ahead, Colin. Oh, no, I was just going to say, if you look at that attacking output, not even looking at the defence, right, and they're one of the best defences in the league. Well, I think they were the best defence in the league last year. But um, those are impressive numbers for a midfielder or a forward at that price point. You'd be Absolutely. Over- like, this is a great person to have. So, I yep. mean, it, it's for the first time, I think... It's a really viable, understandable um, decision for people to go with that formation. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount. Um, I mean, I know you're discounting clean sheets just to look at that attack and output without clean sheets, but it's the bonus of having the clean sheet as well by getting the City uh, and Liverpool defenders because they were the two strongest and probably will continue to be at, at the moment whilst other teams are in transition. Out of the top six, I would say they're probably the two strongest, to be honest. If I look at Spurs, I think their weak, their weak point is the back. If I look at Arsenal, we all know about it. United, I have no idea what's happening there. It's all over the place. And Chelsea, as Adam said, it, they are unknown at the moment. I mean, they always have been quite strong defensively. As Pelicueta always, has always been there and they're quite solid at the back, but we just don't know how they're going to be under Frank. So those, you know, from these two teams, you can pick at three. I've seen people with three players from the two teams. I would, I would personally say three Liverpool defenders is way overkill because as well as being one of the best defenders, you also got one of the best attacks. So you're kind of missing out on a spot there um, because you'd want at least one midfielder, either Salah or Mane. Mm. Uh, otherwise, you'll just... Four weeks down the line, maybe people are planning to wildcard later on and they want to ga- gamble on the early clean sheets. But I'm always... I'm, when it comes down to, to formation... You see, I don't try to have a fixed formation. There's certain players that I really want in my team. So I pick them and then I'll go around and see where else I can fill and how else I can play with it. Um, but for me, I'm a, a strong believer in that if you want a player, it needs to be a maximum of two moves to get that player. So you have two free transfers. If you go with two cheap forwards and you want Kane, you are going to have to rip your team apart to get a premium forward. And yeah. you, you can't get to him by two moves. And it's the same with if you want to get an expensive, like, you know, a Salah or a Mane or a Sterling, if you don't start with them. Again, if you don't have a premium forward and you've spent too much money at the back 
as, 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 as enticing as it is to go with five expensive players at the back, they are only seven mil, the maximum. So you, can't, you have to sell three of them or two. You, you have to make a lot of moves to get to that forward, yeah. to the premium player. And that's what puts me off. And that's why at the moment I'm looking at a 4-4-2. Yeah. I'm think, normally a 3-4-3, uh, but sorry. I think you've got some good points there. I think the way that I would look at it as well is when you were talking about bringing Kane in, I, I've got the one thing that I'm definitely going to do is just have two premium players, so two premium attackers, which will probably be Salah and Sterling. So if you're in that situation, if you wanted to get Kane in, it would probably have to be two moves and a sacrifice of one of them, which yeah. I, I, yeah. I think, to be honest, I don't think you... I think you've got an option of having two of those two, two um, like 12 million plus players or alternatively you can do. And I've seen a few people do this where they've maybe gone for, say, Salah, De Bruyne and Vardy instead. Yeah. So maybe had two not quite premium, but the slightly mm-hmm. higher bracket. So I, I think I personally, I prefer having two premiums and I've got two great choices for captain. But. I think it's what I, 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 I agree with you, Adam. But the problem is, like, you know, it's difficult for me because the guys will tell you I'm really big on forwards. I love my forwards. I normally go three up top, like really premium uh, and, and skimp everywhere else. Uh, but I, I do, obviously, like midfielders get, uh, I think that's where the value is. Um, I, I do appreciate the guys at the back as well. So, so um, but I agree with you to a point. But what, what happens if Aguero, Kane, Aubameyang, um, uh, start Salah and Sterling all start banging and you want you want three of those so because at the moment I have three of those let's say I have a premium forward <laughs> and two premium midfielders what's going to happen if well, you, you just know, can't have everything Mars that's it that's exactly what I was going to say <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's possible man. listen 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 what my point is, what if you want a premium forward as well yeah, as Salah? Yeah, but what absolute dross are you going to have in your team aside from that? I mean, <laughs> like. Yeah. I, it's, I'm happy with my team at the, at the moment, anyway. Uh, what if I want to win Serie A, Premier League, and the Champions League in the same <laughs> season, Mars? It's just my not possible. Point, my point was, if you want to have a premium forward, it, 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 as well as your Salah and Sterling or two, I, I, I get it. I'm, I'm over exaggerating, but my point is, if you are starting with a premium forward, you can downgrade or sw- or switch. But it's about the choice that you want to make. The the what what makes it easier for us is the value of the forwards. Because the seven, seven and a half, the eight, even the nines, it makes it possible for you to have big midfielders and big big players at the back. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I will give you that because your point that is in terms of a pro on um, having a premium attacker. I, I, I mean, everyone's sort of looking at Salah and Sterling, but a premium forward, which is really not the trend at the moment from what we're seeing, is that it does lend you big flexibility to make. Uh, a quick big move because you do have a lot of cash there and you can downgrade that person to someone else or change to most anyone else anyway. Just yeah, Can we just yeah. clarify, it's the trend that you see in on Twitter because we make a lot, big mistake, all of us, that we think Twitter equals FBL. If you look at the players picked, Aguero is up there at the moment. Uh, they always Obama will be, yeah. Kane. Because there's players, people outside of Twitter who look at the names and go, right, I'm yeah. having them. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, when we say um, the trend is more the trend uh, in terms of people who are talking about it, which is people on Twitter and and in forums and stuff, but absolutely correct. These guys, these top scorers from previous seasons that are big names, 
will always be highly owned. It's just like United assets are always highly owned, even if their defence is looking shambolic. You so know, one of the things... Sorry, raising. last point, Don. One of the things that I'm cha- I want to try and change this year is be more patient. I want to pick players that I know over time will get me the points yeah. and just be patient. It will be very difficult. But Kane, Salah, Sterling, all these guys, will go, they will end up the top scorers. But, of course, that is, it's a long game and you have to play the game. Because this is what I liked about draft. I played draft for the first time last year. I had people like Aubameyang and Sigurdsson in my team. You have them for the whole season. You don't really sell these players because you don't want your rivals to have them. And then they, end, they ended up getting, you know, the highest points. So I'm going to, I want to, but I know in, it's, it's a bit boring, one. And two, it's all about jumping on that, on that bandwagon, the right bandwagon, when the player is on form. So I want to minimise my transfers. I'm not saying I'm sticking with the 11 and that's it, I'm going, but I'm going to try. Whoa, no more eight-point hits, Marzi. Is this what you're saying? Yeah, give me until week four. I'll be like, I'll be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I well, do not guys, see yeah. that lasting. <laughs> in, in summary, um, so uh, FPL surgery um, in style E, this is kind of what, what I'm taking from our, from our discussion is basically if your squad, you build your squad more balanced in terms of investing in each group, um, relatively evenly enough, you have more flexibility. Both the value looks like this season even more than ever is basically in more in defence, and I guess in in um, in those ba- um, bargain forwards. Um, but as Adam is pointing out, there it's it, it is really the the points per game thing. If you're if you do look at that kind of thing, is you're you're going to basically hit. You're going to you be patient with players and that and do try to look at production basically for for players last season as well and don't get too mired down in in um in basically the the hype that we're seeing in the community because um the likes of Kane will be higher on than what we might think going by our twitter feeds um that's an excellent summary of all our waffle i have to say thank you kylie thank you so i'll just i'll tell the listeners just to fast forward to um to about 40 minutes on the podcast (laughs) <laughs> uh, will we kick on to listener questions folks is everyone okay with that yeah we've got oh. plenty and they they may, they kind of bring up some interesting questions and discussion points so let's do it excellent stuff um, listener questions first of all we'll start off with FBL underscore Simon 432 a regular questioner for the show uh, welcome back folks uh, my question who are the chief enablers we should be looking at so that we can afford the heavy hitters uh, Marzi, can I give that one to you first? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, okay, so uh, let, let, we'll go position by position. Right now, uh, with, with, with uh, you know, the uh, revelation that I have three premium players and then people telling me my team is, the rest of my team is whack, of course, I have a 4.5 keeper right now. And really, to be honest, not much choice. You either go Burnley or Brighton, so you pick your pick and just stick with it. I heard something on the Planet uh, Football pod. Uh, James said, and I completely agree with. It's uh, the point, the, the the points that you can't give too much of a f about is the keeper. You just stick with one and try and and hope for the best because that's where you don't want to waste your money. And I agree with that. So, or 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 you just stick with the premium keeper and stick with them for the rest of the season. But I don't want to waste a, a City or a Liverpool spot on a keeper because I think it's they they've got better attacking players. So budget you've got Brighton or uh, Burnley. Uh defenders um honestly the 4 million I mean you need to watch out for the preseason maybe Gibson from Burnley or Kelly if he gets the if he gets the running into the Palace side but we need to see between now and August there's going to be so many more signings. 
So the four million is a question for me. Four point five is a bit more interested. We talk about Mings at the beginning. I think Adam can tell you a lot more about how well he did for Villa. Uh, then you've got um, I've got my eye on Fredericks from West Ham because I think Zabaleta's getting a bit on, and I like Fredericks and the way he goes forward. So I know West Ham are not defensively the best, but this is going to be my fourth defender. So I'm happy to play around. Or you've got um, somebody like. Um, Diop, again, from West Ham, 4.5, or the trusted Jan B from Southampton, for example. So there's quite a few options. But remember, this this is going to be your fourth or fifth choice. So don't waste too much time around with it. Uh, Midfield, this is where it gets a little bit trickier. Uh, Dendonka is one that I have my eye on because he played a fair bit last season. He's a bit box-to-box. I've seen some Wolves fans that know a lot more about Wolves than I do. He, He does get forward and if, if they play with five in the midfield um, they will uh, um, he will play and he's got some goals and assists um, apart from that to be honest uh, 4.5s again you need to watch around in, uh, I'll tell you one, one I like and it, it, you're probably going to laugh but I like Jordan Henderson right 5.5 you get a Liverpool midfielder and for me if we stick with Fabino and uh, like uh, Windelham, for example, Henderson will play in his advanced role. Could be, could be an interesting one at 5.5. Getting in some assists, maybe a goal here or there. So it's, it's an interesting one that I'll be watching out for. Another one is Noble uh, from West Ham again for the penalties. So we need to see how VAR works out. Again, we look at, we're talking here about the fourth or fifth midfielder option. So you mm. know, not much, not much to to pick uh, to pick around. Um, and then uh, forwards, oof, honestly, you need to watch out for. Um, I've, right now, right now in my team, I've got Connor Wickham, only because I think he'll be fit. And rare I've got him go. as well, and I think yeah. he he's playing in a friendly tonight. Exactly, well, but Tech has scored after two minutes, so this tells you all you need to know about preseason. Um, yeah. But <laughs> but you know, Connor, again, I'm playing four four two, so my third striker is hopefully never will be. He'll be the third. Most likely the third sub for me, um, but just watch out, watch out for the trends, watch out for what happens in the, in, in uh, moving forward. The one thing that I would say that you need to be really careful with is picking a player that is highly owned at four at four, because they are most likely to be the one that drops to yeah. three point nine, because yeah. people will move off them. So you need somebody who's like one percent, one percent owned. You're not some random. If you're not going to play them, so my my fifth my fifth defender. My aim is that they are, I hope they play, but I don't want to pick someone that everybody's talking about and picking as a fourth defender because I might lose value on him quicker than anybody else. Mm. Go for yeah. the least don't, yeah. If they're not yeah. going to play, certainly it go for the least don't. It's kind of like that way with, you know, if you're playing a premium keeper and you've got a four million um, backup keeper, go for the one that's got the lowest ownership. Not Yeah, the, last, uh, last year I had, Stecklen- I had Stecklenburg last year. Never played, but yeah. stayed up for so. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, no, that's a good tip. Now, one thing, as I always, I always seem to say this point. I know repetition, but um, the one problem I always have with having a fifth midfielder, say, I know you said fourth or fifth for Hendo. If you have one from a big team like Kante or something like that, oftentimes I feel that people may feel if they look like a really good fixture that they might feel tempted yeah. to put that player in 
more than they would if it was a fifth midfielder from a mid-table or a lower team that, that they're just not really going to consider playing. That Hendo might catch the eye a little bit. Don't you break him up against. badly. I don't know if it's just my side or not. He sounded uh, fine to me. Oh, so, Mars, so Mars, you yeah. just interrupted the best point of the podcast so far. Thanks, I'm, trying to jeopardize, I'm trying to jeopardize your... Uh, your uh, Adam, uh, what's the Adam word? this is what he does. He does... He, <laughs> Sabotage, I believe is just what you're is it. Sabotage. Yeah, I'm sabotaging your uh, personality of the year uh, attempts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> my crime is at the, my crime Getting is early. Adam, I want to move on to the next question, which um, was addressed towards yourself. So DJ Newton um, was, was saying, "Welcome back, hope we're all enjoying the summer." His question to you, Adam. Um, he's looking at the captaincy profitability angle. How big is the risk to play three Liverpool defence and have only Sterling as super premium up front? I don't think it is a huge risk, to be honest, because I think I think if you look at last season, I think Liverpool will continue where they left off. Um, I think I, I don't think they'll concede many goals, um, and I think I think off the back of that, I think what you will get as well is you'll get um, Van Dijk chipping in with quite a few goals. I think it towards the end of last season, particularly in the Champions League, he got a few crucial goals. So I think that I think that that'll happen. So and actually, I think what did Van they 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 all finished on either 200 or close to 200 points. I think what it does do is it possibly takes a captain's decision away. So you've got. Because uh, Sterling, I think what's his first game West Ham away, then he's got Spurs at home. He could do, he could he could do well in both of those games. Um, and I yeah. think probably I think Sterling for me is probably the most consistent, one of the most consistent players in the game. So I don't I don't think it is a risk. The only reason I wouldn't do it is I I like I like probably a lot of FPL players. I enjoy watching football. And if I was watching a Liverpool game with three defenders and they, you know, they score, I think like a few times early last season, they conceded early. It just ruins the game to, mm-hmm. to, a, to a large extent. You've lost 12 points pretty much straight away. So that's why I wouldn't do it. I think it's probably if you, if you, if you don't go for Salah and you triple up the Liverpool at the back, I probably would try and get a second captain option in. I think Kane looks quite good rotates well with Sterling for the first four. So I think you've got, if you go for Kane and Sterling, you could have Villa at home, um, Spurs at home, and then I think Kane's got Newcastle at home, and then um, Sterling's got Brian at home. So very strong captaincy options there. So I don't, I don't think it's, as, I don't think any players, I don't think any player this season is essential other than probably having at least one Liverpool defender. Mm, good stuff. Thanks, man, Adam. Um, Jimmy Mac and Cheese, um, at Claret FBL. Um, Kylie, give this one to you. He said, uh, good to have us all back. On the premium striker team, is it worth having just one to add later flexibility and so you don't have to try to jump from an 8 mil to an 11 mil? Um, we did kind of cover that uh, earlier on too, with the with the forwards. But um, Kylie, look, look, do you actually mention earlier on what's your lineup at the moment? Who's your forwards at the moment in your first drafts? Um, that's the part that is constantly changing at the moment, actually, um, because I have gone through iterations with budgets. So, like King, um, I was looking maybe at the Wolves. 
Uh, I think I've got Vardy in at the moment. And I kind of pushed to Vardy because I felt compelled to have someone a, a bit more expensive in line with this thinking because it just kind of didn't feel right to have two really cheap guys. Um, and then a very strong, admittedly very strong midfield and, and defence. Um, so I get the logic there because I, part of me keeps thinking, is there a way that I can try and get Kane in? Um, it's a nice if you can do it. It depends on what your priorities are. I would say that this year I wouldn't be prioritising premium forwards at the moment. I say that, but, I mean, if Aguero starts running amok, then obviously that could mm, change hugely. Panic. Yeah, I mean... We do always say balance and it comes back to that because you're always going to want to have great players across your team um, and you're going you're gonna to get envy whenever you, someone posts a team when they've got Kane and they've got so-and-so and so-and-so. But then, you know, the overall balance of their team may not be as strong. And we've also got preferences or instincts, um, you know. So I, I think there's – Adam made a point earlier about maybe having two – uh, premium assets, whether it's uh, a Kane and a Salah or, you know, Kane and Sterling or Sterling and Salah, what, whatever way you choose to do it, given um, some of the challenges that we've talked about, I, I think it's it's reasonable to, to just stick with two heavyweight ones. If you can create a team where you have those big guys and you have a premium forward and you're really happy with the balance, then that's brilliant. Um, mm. it, it all goes down to preference. And, and of course, I mean, this is why we, we do have a wild card. No one wants to use it too early, but we're always going in a little bit blind at the start of the season. So you've got to trust yeah. your gut. Yeah, 100%. Jimenez and Rashford is my front two at the moment because I think value-wise, Rashford isn't someone now that probably will stay there. Well, let's see what Man United look in the preseason. But um, that could change to Vardy, say, well, if someone Luke, like that. Well, if Lukaku goes, if Lukaku mm. goes, then I know, but Rashford I have been, is the main guy. I'm a big fan of Rashford. I think he's brilliant. It's all really yeah. a matter of it's everything with Man United in terms of including like um, last year's hero, Wan-Bissaka. Um, if Biscuits or Rashford or, you know, whoever else, Marshall, it, all these people could be well options, but at the moment it's very hard to know. Yeah, for me, uh, United are like, watch, wait, wait and watch, same as Chelsea. But, you know, just whilst we're there, and I know there's more questions, but you touched on Jimenez, and one thing we haven't talked about is the Europa League, which yeah. is what's really concerning me with Wolves. They've got a small squad as it is. Um, oh, have you, you seen see- the latest rumour? Yes. Yes, Diego Costa. Diego Costa Wolves. That would be a great. That would be a great sign. Oh my god, vintage. It, it would also put. It would also put down some people who own hotter uh, yeah. Jimenez because yeah. they they will have rota- more rotation. And I'm not surprised because of the Europa League. I actually uh, not think I don't have apart from Dendonka. I don't have any other Wolves players because I think their defenders are a bit too much. And then I'm worried about. I want to see how they handle that. Look. Wolves are no Burnley, but but let's be realistic. Their squad is really small, and Burnley really struggled. And I expect Wolves to struggle, but let's see. I could be wrong, and then they they still doing well, and then you can just jump back. But for me, um, it's it's again another team that I'm, I'll be watching very closely. Whereas, for example, mm. um, a team that I think is on on bar with Wolves from an FPL point of view is Leicester, and I think they I think they're going to have a really good season with attacking wise with Brendan Rodgers. 
Mm. So I would rather yeah. their attackers versus Wolves attackers right now. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting if we get back to Diego Costa yellow card watch. <laughs> well, that's all. Uh, that's all oh, over yeah. Literally, it's all over Twitter. People are already saying, "Be careful, he's on four yellow cards already." Pre-season. Oh, there they are. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I haven't been on Twitter. I'm not stealing anyone's jokes though before anyone comments. <laughs> but uh, uh, Marzi, I'll stick with you for this one. Guatam uh, Venkatesan, um, Guatam seven four two zero, was asking an easy one. He said, uh, "Wilson or King? Um, Wilson and King, or Fraser or Brooks?" So. Um, Sticking with definitely a Bournemouth team there. What, um, which combo would you like? Well, you know, right now, I would say Wilson and Fraser. Uh, but if you don't have the money and you want to save one and a half, you go King because he might be on pens. And with VAR, we don't know what's going to happen. But Fraser could be leaving. Uh, um, Wilson might be leaving, although that, that rumour has died down a bit. So you need to wait. Right now, saying this player or that player, it's, not re- it's difficult to tell. But if I had to choose, I would say if you have the money, it's... Uh, th- that relationship between Wilson and Fraser is just devastating if, if they pick it up again. Mm. Even though King, the, the way King's price is so much lower than um, than Wilson, that looks like a definite it's a trap. bit of a tactic. It's a Everybody's trap, saying like. it's a trap, and I'm like, yeah, it's a trap, but I'm willing to go into it for now. Ah, <laughs> 6.5, it's a worthwhile risk. I, I would say, just on what Marzi was saying there, I think there's just case for, for going for King. I mean, we, we know yeah. that didn't get as many points but 6.5 that's a punch you can take um i don't think that there's only a million difference in um brooks and fraser though so i do think that fraser based on what we've seen was the better pick and brooks was definitely more prone to rotation last season he's young so that could change but i mean of the two i would very heavily favor fraser yeah Um, i'll tell you what would be really interesting if Fraser or Zaha or both go to Arsenal, they become a really interesting pick for me because of their attacking output and the way Arsenal play. Um, even more interesting at that price. I think the combination of Fraser and Wilson, though, if you looked at the, the stats when they played together last year, it was frightening. I, I Wilson yeah. over King at the moment. And the reason for that, if Wilson played 30 times last year 14 goals 12 assists so you've got 26 attacking returns in 30 games that's pretty impressive and whereas King you know King probably got four or five pens got 12 goals overall he did okay but if you actually looked at in terms of strikers and values Wilson in terms of how he's been priced he got 5.6 points per game if he'd played every match he would have cleared 200 points so I actually think he's gone a little bit into the radar, partly because of how King's been priced. But I'd, so I'd probably lean a little bit more towards Wilson at the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 we'll, uh, we'll never, uh, um, on, on this podcast, Mersey, we'll never live down the fact that the first time we got a listener question about <laughs> David Brooks, the accountant. Don't buy him. He sounds like an accountant. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the depth of our analysis, Adam. But, uh, <laughs> The, Jonathan Strack was asking a question. Now, we, we have touched on this, but I just wanted to include it because I wanted to refer to an article. You, Jonathan Strack, Jay Strack, one was asking, do you think it might be wise to spend more funds on defence and midfield this season than forwards? Defenders got a lot of points last year from memory. And Jonathan, yes, you're 100% correct. And we have we have talked a good bit on where the value is. Um, where the value is and where the points seem to be, the direction the points seem to be going in an FBL. Um, I would refer to um, a Peter Blake's article, or a Peter Blake article, 
um, on predicting returns by position in FBL. Do um, do check out his feed. I'm sure you've seen it on the Twitter feed, but it's a long read, but it's well worth it. Um, a brief synopsis would be like that midfielders and defenders, you're more likely to get what you pay for with goalkeepers and forwards, more expensive with uh, more expensive price tags, less of a guarantee. Um, what it basically means is that in, in defence, if you do pick and pay a decent bit for a defender um, or a midfielder, you're more likely to get those kind of top 10 returns, whereas at the forward position and in goalkeepers, um, there is more likely to be um, outliers. So there's players like Wilson last season or Rashford or in, in, in goalkeeping in particular, you're definitely not with, say, Dave De Gea, but but there would be kind of budget options who are as likely to actually end up in the top 10. You see that less in defenders and midfielders. You generally get what you pay for. Um, so Jonathan, I would refer you on to that Peter Blake article, and hopefully we, we touched on that earlier on in the podcast anyway. Um, Adam, come to you on this one. Um, that FBL podcast, at that FBL podcast was asking, Hey guys, looking forward to another great season of your podcast. Um, his question is, Salah or Sterling or both? And if if both, what are your budget options or differentials? Um, I know, Adam, we did talk a good bit on, um, and on your belief, probably, and same as myself, Salah and Sterling will probably be there for the season start as my two premium options. Um, but give us your kind of budget, your enablers. Um, Mars gave a few earlier on for another question. But um, who are who are you looking at in your team to to enable you to bring in those big hitters in midfield? So I've looked at structuring my team, so I haven't spent as much up front like we like you mentioned uh, Peter's article there. So I think for me, the reason I really like Salah and Sterling is that they're effectively in in the Sky game and they're listed as forwards. They're playing as forwards. They've got an unfair advantage really over Aguero, Kane, Aubameyang in that they get an extra point for a goal, for a goal, and a clean sheet. And you've got to bear in mind over the course of a season, they'll probably score in close to 20 goals each and keep 20 clean sheets. So that's a 40 point head start on the strikers. So for me. If you look at the other thing I would say, if you look at the consistency um, of both Salah and Sterling, it makes it a really, really easy choice. They've been that, I mean, Sterling's got 17, 18 goals, 17 assists in both of the last two seasons. And obviously Salah had, uh, I suppose a few people were, were talking about him having a poor season last season. But he, still, he got 22 goals, 12 assists or there or thereabouts. So for me, both of them will be in. I have contemplated Mane instead of Salah because I think when I was watching Liverpool a lot, he seemed, particularly with Trent's delivery, they seem to have a really good um, understanding and he seems to get this, get get more space. But the chances are Salah's going to be on penalties. VAR, well, without Milner on the pitch, with, with VAR, I think that strengthens his case. So I'm going with both. In terms of Budget enablers. Um, obviously, I've saved a little bit of money um, by not going too heavy up top. But I suppose the players that I quite like, and when I say budget, there probably probably isn't anybody below six million that I'm, I'm considering at the moment. So, but the the lower players that I like um, are, I think, 
for forwards, you mentioned, I think Diogo Jota is my favourite forward at the, the lower price. He was incredible the second. Since he moved up front, he was incredible. So him and Jimenez, he actually, I think he got, when he when he moved up front in game week 15 last year, so there was, I think he played 20 times, got nine goals, seven assists. So he actually got more attacking returns in less games than Jimenez. And if you read any Wolves forum, they just keep raving about this guy. He's the best player on the pitch most times. He's the one that makes something happen. I appreciate the concern about the Europa League. And that's my, I suppose, my only hesitance in, in recommending him. But I think he'll probably be in my in my teams. I think, although I don't want to shout out too much about the promoted clubs, I feel I, sh- I feel this is my chance to speak about Villa, so I will do. Um, I think you've got a few potential bargains in there. So Villa have got three three good home games in the first five fixtures. The player that I, you know, would I, th- I think will really want to step up. He's been back early in training. He's Jack Grealish, and I think. He's got a point to prove, I, I think, and I think he's ready to prove it. Um, under Dean Smith, Dean Smith's style of play is basically really is heavily based around Grealish, and his creativity is brilliant. He's um, the Premier League will suit him more than the Championship because every time he got the ball in the Championship, he was fouled within a couple of seconds. So he's got that, you know, he will win a lot of free kicks, possibly even penalties as well. And I think his creativity will be key for Villa. Um, I think in the goals and assists last year come when Dean Smith was in charge. So they've got a really good understanding. I think he's he hasn't lost a game either. So I think he'll be the person driving everything at Villa and he's only six million. And I think he will I think he could turn out to be really, really good value. Um so they're pro- I'm trying to think if they're ever and then I, th- I think of, of of the 4.5 million defenders, I suppose I have to mention Tyro Mings. Villa's record when he came in last year, they went from probably the one of the worst championship defences and I think in the last 16 games they conceded 11 or 12 goals when he came in. I don't think they conceded more than two goals, more than one goal in any of those games as well. So, um, so he's the villain, look- uh, Virgil van Dijk, Adam. Yeah. I was going to ask, what's his attacking output like from corners, headers, etc.? I think he got two goals, so it's not too, not too bad. He's, 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 Villa, Villa, to be fair, did quite well at scoring goals from goals from corners. So, so who's set piece? Think, so Grealish's penalties, right? Or is it well, a striker? No, so Villa don't currently have a penalty taker. So it was a- Abraham took them last year. Um, Grealish took one in the shootout against the against West Brom, but I, I think Hurahan's taken them for other clubs. So I think that that is up for grabs. And I think until Villa get one, I'd like to see Jack get them. I think as captain, I'd like to see him step forward. But then this new striker we signed, Wesley Morales, he um, I think he he's he's been known to to uh, I think rob rob a penalty from uh, from players. Uh, to, oh, okay. Suarez. Suarez. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, what was that guy who did it? Um, I've just gone completely blank, and then he was like arrested or something. <laughs> that was a bit of a harsh punishment for just taking. The <laughs> no, he started some fight. The British, oh, who was the, the British judicial no, system's gone. Do you know who, who was the guy that was playing um, alongside Mitrovic? 
um, oh, early God, last yeah. season. What was his oh, name? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. Yeah. He, he, at one point, he took like a good 4.5 million option yes. and then he just gone and went through it all the way, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because he got arrested because of some um, fight or something in training. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yep. Unrelated to the penalty thievery. Yeah. <laughs> uh, excellent. Uh, the, uh, we've uh, John G. Actually, uh, this is your opportunity for this one, Mars. John G. Griffiths United was um, asking us to um, agree not to do the no disrespect to about his beloved blades. So um, I said Marcy, there's no promises. Yeah. No promises. No, no promises. If they, after, if after they don't the deserve games, it, yeah. they won't. They won't be getting exactly. it. Well, exactly. The position's there for the taking. I mean, we do need a victim, yeah. but it will take exactly. some time to determine who that Hopefully is. Hopefully, it won't be. Um, it won't be Adams, better. That we'll be doing that too. So, Do we uh, know anyone who likes Norwich? Because they could be fair game. No, but we play in the no. first game of the season, so I will always say that Norwich are a tough team <laughs> yeah. and they are really good. Hard to... <laughs> and is the chef woman I, still involved in I Norwich? You know, the, the one who got on tanked anyway. up on wine. Well, and Dylan Smith. Yeah. Let's be having you. Yeah. Uh, the uh, lesson anyway, Marzi, come to you. Um, Grifters, John was asking um, a question about um, do you think it's viable to have actual options from the bench? He's seen too many drafts where people are junking completely and it's not his usual plan. I know that worked for John last season. Um, he had a great year and I know that his, I think he wanted to, he did have a decent bench. Um, I guess it boils down to um, opinions on Salah, Mane, Sterling playing every game or if you see rotation in their futures. Mersey, I personally don't really look past um, bench spot one for no, my well, initial no. draft. <laughs> I had a discussion with John about it because there is bench. There is a distribution of uh, funds and there's John G's distribution of funds where he will have a seven mil player on the bench and his team will look ridiculous. It will be really balanced, but you're like, why would you have a second sub? Why would you have Fraser second sub, for example, right? Just to give you an example. And uh, I... I see his point, but I also completely agree with you. I think, I think, look, we we need to to be confident that ten of the eleven players that we pick are going to start, and unless you're really unlucky and there's late injuries that you're not sure about. So that's why I was saying, with regards to budget players, is you want players that will just come and give you at least get those, those two points. Now, of course, if there's this budget player that gives you an extra thing, an extra attacking point, or an extra assist, or they they emerge like biscuit or or someone like that out of nowhere, brilliant, fantastic. But wasting money on the bench right now, especially right now with the way you want to structure the team, with the way we just talked about the prices, you want you want the expensive defenders, you want the midfielders, maybe you want a premium forward or not, but you still need the money. I mean, I'm yeah, so for me, it's, uh, as you said, maybe bench uh, first spot on the bench or players that you know that will come on and just give you those two points if you need mm. them. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'll jump in quickly here on this. Um, my heartbreak last year was well documented with benching woes. Um, yeah. The amount of like insane, insane points on the bench from my defenders. So it was, and bear in mind, these were defenders that I had bought cheaply. Um, and, you know, wasn't it like Lucas Dinier? Wasn't he on the bench? 17-pointer, yep. Yeah, and yeah. he was on the bench um, and so was Juan Bissaka. 
that week. And I think Wambisaka got maybe nine points. But then if you'd looked at the players that I played, so I played Robertson. Um, I can't remember who the other premium defender was, but I, I feel like it might have been a Chelsea defender and Doherty with sublime fixtures. Um, so it was one of those situations. And then all of my attackers, even my, my cheaper attackers, had great fixtures. So it was one of those situations where um, it was really, really difficult. And I felt at the time that I'd get that wrong, and I did, and it happened consistently. Sometimes it's just not worth the heartache. Um, and you don't know that, you know, when you buy a, a budget player and then they turn out to be, you know, someone who can deliver a lot of points. But I think especially at the start of the season when there's a lot of unknowns, it makes sense to put your money in the known knowns yeah. as much as possible. People who will play the games um, and who you would perceive as being reliable and, and then just have that kind of one definitely playing, maybe two definitely playing, boring two-pointer person to come in as cheap as possible because you will wildcard. From now on, the boring two-pointer is going to be called the Dale Stevens. The Dale Stevens. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly who it is. It's, it's the Dale Stevens. The next question we have, actually, John, one quick one from John. He was, he was mentioning, of course, whether we're talking about um, flexibility in order to get one of those big hitters, then he'd prefer to have two million kind of spread across his bench a little bit more. Um, to give himself the the flexibility to um, to adapt rather than having to do an early wild card or spend hits, um, but um, which which is a fair point. But um, I'm sure John, you agree. We we've made fair points to it on it as well. Um, uh, Kylie, give this one to you. Who got the assist? Um, was asking. Um, no disrespect, but out of Mars and Kylie, who is going to beat Don this year? The answer to that one is nobody. Um, me, yeah, definitely me. And, yeah. and um, also, Kylie, your thoughts on Kuhn? Not in many teams right now, but will the ownership increase yeah. closer to game week one as managers yeah. reach for that comfort blanket? And that's a very good point because um, Kuhn is definitely a comfort blanket. It's not nice going into the season without him. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one. Um, and as Mars pointed out earlier, his ownership is uh, in the wider game very high but I have don't think I have seen a single team uh, and, and certainly very little mention on Twitter about about Aguero which is really interesting because he is such a stalwart in our teams and um, this is obviously in large part because Sterling is at the same price and we have seen Sterling be very consistent. He's younger. He doesn't really have the same threat for his role, even though Aguero basically played every match that he was fit and available for last season. Jesus is still in the wings um, and he's a young player and, you, you know, you don't think he's not going to want to stick around there forever and just, you know, get scrapped. Could this be the breakout season for Jesus? He's had a really it good tournament be. apart from the history fit that he has, he yeah. in the final. I think that's part of the fear, though. I think because how old is is Kun now? Is what like thirty one or something? Well, that's, I'm, I'm I'm actually really surprised that City have not bought another. I this just my personal thinking, seeing how Pep has done it over the years and what he does. Look, look at how he bought Rodrigo to to Isaac Fernandino basically to replace him. I think this this is a season where Jesus might play a bit more than what we expect compared to Aguero. I mean. 
just 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 an aside, you know, I love Aguero. Got to get the minutes though. Yeah, my eyes, my eyes are But t- talking about this, who do you think are the top? I don't know, three or four selected forwards in the game right now. Um, I would guess Kane, Aguero. Uh, oh, I don't know. I was going to say Aubameyang because of his um, Aubameyang nope. possibly. No, nope. um, Aubameyang is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wilson. Firmino doesn't make the top ten. Wilson is second. Uh, okay. Jimenez is first. Jimenez. 42, yeah. 42.8%. And Aguero Variety might be there. Aguero said. Mm. Kane is fourth. Then King. Rashford. Um, Adam. Further, further down. Mm. Just wanted right. to show that uh, um, we're not. We're not talking about Aguero on Twitter, but Aguero's talked about in the real game. Yeah, uh, oh, sorry, yeah no, he is, definitely. Adam, what do you think on um, on Aguero versus Jesus? And will it look like, um, I know you definitely will have crunch numbers with Jesus, but when he does play, just how productive um, do you find him? And kind of, uh, do you think this maybe could be a breakout year for him in the Man City attack? Yeah, I do. And I, I said it, I think, I can't remember, I, I was on a um, I think it might have been on the um, Planet FPL podcast, but I'm I'm pretty sure that Jesus will play a bigger role this season. If you and I think one of the big reasons for that, I think Kevin De, with Kevin De Bruyne being fit, they are they have an extra um, dynamic. If you watch the FA Cup final, how easily they beat Watford, um, and I think Jesus was playing as a number nine in that position. Was, was playing instead of Aguero. But I think with De Bruyne in the team, he he adds just a different dimension. And I think him, Sterling and Jesus really link up well. I think he's had a great tournament um, in, in the, the Copper America. So I I think, I don't, I, I, I don't think Aguero will be completely phased out. And I think he'll still be, he'll still start the season. But I expect, Zeus to play a lot more mm. and I think he's starting to show um, I think possibly towards the end of the season he's starting to show that actually you know he, he can um, potentially fill, fill that role when, when Aguero goes and I think he's I think like when you, when you throw like De Bruyne in there as well it makes it so much easier because the amount of chances that guy creates um, yeah and I think it's like um, I, I personally, when I was listening this summer, I was fully expecting there to be some sort of news, not maybe a little bit of of um, unhappiness from Jesus. The way he's there's nothing, not here in Anton. There's no links really to other clubs or anything like that for a move away. Um, it's almost like he has gotten some sort of. Now I don't think Pepe gives assurances, maybe. But I think that yeah, I don't think see, I don't think Pep would actually go. Listen, yeah, we'll give you more game time because Pep's attitude is very much well. You'll get it when. But there has to be it. some suggestion that they're supporting yeah. his future and well, reason for him to believe he's got one there. They haven't bought any other striker, which really surprises me to be honest, because you know Aguero doesn't have an injury record, you know, and um, I'm just a bit surprised. But also, Jesus has just been main, the main man for Brazil. The, the, the striker for Brazil, of course, Firmino is the other main man, but he's he's more of the playmaker. And Jesus, you go and finish the chances. And he's taken that responsibility on taking his team to the final, scored in the final. Okay, he got sent off. I think he's proved, he's showing his worth right now, and I really do think that we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll see both of them up front in some games, or him taking more games um, than, than Aguero. Oh, okay, doesn't mean that Aguero is going to play a lot less, but just more games than what we saw before. Um, yeah, yeah. To ease him in because 
look, they have no other successor for for Aguero right now. And Pep likes to prepare. Look, um, he brought in uh, Laporte, slowly brought him in. Now, company's gone. He's brought in a... Um, so, you've got uh, Laporte and Stones, right? So, Stones, Otamendi is going to be shifted out. Slowly, he shifts out players and brings bring others in. He shifts out players, bring others in. Beds them in and then they they get their the chance. So, let's see. Mark Donny at Mark Donny was um was asking Salah was to do with the Salah versus Salah Sterling question. He's got a little bit of one of these um you know uh, a triple up which which kind of triple header would you prefer? Um maybe I'll give this one to you Adam if that's okay. Um Salah Sterling so that's what we mentioned these are double at the moment with Madison who was someone I actually looked at in my early drafts. I kind of have switched over to uh, um, Perez um, looking at what apparently his stats were last season. And I can't remember now to give the shout out who it was who who gave the stats. It might have even been the who got the assist guys. Um, but to do with, uh, you know, how productive he actually was for Newcastle. And he's ranked as a midfielder. Um, but he's looking at Salah, Sterling and Madison versus Mane, Sterling and KDB. So um, is is that upgrade between Madison and KDB enough for you to um, to maybe downgrade Salah to uh, to Mane? What do you think on that one, Adam? Can you do that for the same price? Doesn't so. I'll definitely go with the with the um, K, KDB. Might be a Mane. little bit more because is KDB nine and a half or is he more than that? Is he nine and a half? He's, He's nine, nine and a half. half. KDB's nine and a half. half. Um, yeah, so that, probably, that, there that, probably is a million in the difference somewhere there. I think, I think it is made out for KDB to have an absolute stormer of a season, particularly the way he finished last year. He was just unplayable. He was great to watch. It was just a shame. The, 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 only, the thing that worries me is that he didn't just have, it wasn't just one bad injury. It was like mm. four or five. Every time he was coming back, he got injured again. And, it, and it's just such a shame because. 9.5 million, you know, he could get a couple of assists every single game. I mean, the amount of chances he's creating. And, he, you know, if if you knew he was going to be fit for the first 10 games, he would be straight in my team. Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree. And he was in my first half. Just two quick points on this. KDB normally starts slow. He was frustrated at the end of last season. You could see that. Frustrated as because he wasn't playing enough because of injuries. So I hope the frustration continues. But I remember starting with him before. And he was <laughs> always, uh, we used to say, uh, he was, if you remember, Don, uh, assist, uh, assisting the sister or something like that. Do you remember? Assisting like, the yeah. assister, yeah. Assisting the sister, yeah. yeah. Um, the other point is with Mane, we have to be really careful. If Senegal continue in the AFCON, he will not be back for the beginning of the season. Now, especially with Salah back early, there's no need to rush yeah. him. And Klopp will give him three. Klopp likes to give players three weeks minimum. Then he needs them to be fit, right? For uh, with pre, with some preseason to get up to speed with the team. So I was really worried with having Salah and Mane really progressing all the way. As much as I'm upset about Egypt losing, I'm happy that Salah will be back. Firmino will be back. So now you have two of the three forwards. You can then play a Shakira or Rigi. Let Mane recover. So I I will be surprised if Mane starts the season straight up. But uh, I'll be happily surprised. Really good point. I think on Madison, and I, I, I think he's a little bit overrated from an FPL perspective. And I thought he was last season. A lot of people. Thank you. Um, brought him in. And a lot of people I feel like him in. no one else agrees with that. That's interesting. Yeah. If you just look at, just look at, if you just, 
he plays, he's quite a stylistic player. He's quite good on set pieces, but he doesn't create. I mean, the chances he creates are, are, are it's a high volume, but not necessarily loads in quality. And actually, if you look at his goals, I think he got two or three free kicks, a penalty. He doesn't get loads from open play. And I think there are better options. I mean, it's seven million. You've got Zaha, who is a better option by far. Um, I think Perez got what twelve goals last year. I think if you his yeah. points would have been about one hundred sixty odd if you'd put Madison didn't actually score that well points wise, and it was um, I think just because Can of his we style remember that it was Madison's first season in the Premier League as well. Look, I I, I get your point and I agree. He so looked brilliant, but yeah, he it, it was well, his first season. I think Rogers will allow them to play more attack in football. Uh, I think he is, for me, Zaha is one of the most frustrating players because he should be getting a lot more output than what he gets. But if he goes to Arsenal, it becomes a completely different uh, ball game with a seven million midfielder at a top six club, attacking top six club as well. Um, but for me, as, um, w- with Madison, I think, um, yeah, just sorry, back to the point about Rogers football. Um, I think uh, with Perez, it's just where he plays. So for me, it's, it's too early to, yeah. to get on Perez. And Tielemans, or Talisman as I call him, he was brilliant last year. But let's just see, there's sometimes players who do really well when they're on loan. You sign them up and you don't get the same player because they don't have that motivation. He didn't have a great season in France. I still think he's a great player from what we've seen at Leicester. But again, I think... Nice one. Thanks, Kelly. Um, Marzi, have you got a few more listener questions that we might do a very quick fire and then we'll just get on to a few a few of our punts of the season um, to wrap up yeah. tonight's show? Yeah, sure, sure. We've got one from Thomas Bracken at Bracken TB. He wants to know what we think about Watford. They're not getting much love from the community, but FF Scout lists them having the best attacking fixtures game one to four. And I said that we have to talk about that man that I hate talking about, especially after the red card. Um, so uh, what do you guys think? Don, come to you. Watford. Watford, I really don't have any... Um, I don't really have any thoughts on Watford. I think I think they're one of those teams that um, they surprised us last season. But it's very hard for me. To, I don't really have any opinion on a lot of their players. Deeney... Um, he burnt you and Omar's, which was one of the most highlights. The highlights of the season, and one me. of the most hilarious moments, was when you relented on actually getting him in, and then he got sent off, promptly sent off. But um, no, I don't really have a lot of thoughts on um, on Watford. I think that they're definitely a wait and see for me. Um, even value wise, I couldn't even probably tell you who's looking good value in the uh, in the Watford squad at the moment. Um, Troy. Which is, <laughs> Troy, yeah. See, it, I, I'm not really loving it. Um, I mean, they could come out and if they start like they did last season, then I think that we will be looking at those value defenders and um, and maybe Delafeu is um, is one is one that I'll be considering. But not, I don't really have a whole lot of thought on them, and I think that's probably why there's not a whole lot of talk about them in the community. Is they don't really stand out in the crowd in the preseason crowd, you know? Cool. Thanks, Don. Any Adam? Anybody from Watford or Kylie? Any anything on Watford? No, no, not for me. Not really. The, re- okay. the reason for it is what I find with Watford is that they get they have quite they have about four or five players that will get seven or eight goals a season, and it's very different. Whereas you've got a lot of teams that are lower down, they've got an obvious talisman. I suppose you could say it's Delafoe, but if you look at it, you've got him, Deeney, Decore, 
Pereira start, started the season really well. I, yeah. I just think it's hard to pick which which one of those to go for. Whereas if you look at the similar teams around them, it's pretty obvious who to pick, or it's a little bit easier. I'm always yeah. going to shout out Nathan Shalabow and my man at 4.5. He's going to have a mm. great season. I'm going to say it every season. <laughs> one season, he's going to score a goal. I'm going to say, I told you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, our, ma- our, ma- our mate Varun, uh, Varun Bansal at Varunesk uh, says, um, we've talked about him, but uh, your thoughts on KDB. So we'll quickly just say, look, I think KDB is a great option. Uh, if, if, if uh, you know, especially if you want to cover City but not want to stretch to, to Sterling, I think he can be absolutely devastating sometimes. But my, my concern is sometimes he does play a little bit deeper in some games. Um, and so, he doesn't really provide a captaincy option too, which is a big one. With, with no, the, it's a, it would be a very, it would definitely be a, a Baldwin captain if you, if you go with the, with the mm. one. Yeah. Right, next one. Uh, we have uh, FBL Cartel uh, at FBL Cartel. Seen many drafts with that premium striker, including mine. Do you think it's really time to say goodbye to Aguero, Kane, etc.? Or do you think a lot will change their minds come August 9? I think we covered it. Um, anything else to add on premium strikers, guys? No. 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 Covered, cool. I think. Yeah. FBL Fish at Fish FBL is going with three Liverpool, three City, three Leicester, too restrictive, and putting all my eggs. In one basket, or should I yes. spread the love? And if so, what, an, what is an ideal split ratio? More than that, I would suspect. Well, I like, think they all sound three, good, three but that's three, a lot. Three Liverpool and three City, I don't think it's too um, restrictive. It's the three Leicester. It's the three Leicesters might be a little bit, but then oh, the, yeah. the, like Leicester look like they could definitely. Leicester and Wolves, are they have decent value options. that you but So does Everton. You know, Everton and have, they and they Everton have better, Everton, and Everton and better to defense. defense. Yeah, a so I would be looking to split in some of those teams. Yeah. And Bournemouth have nice fixtures at the start, so blend those ones, I would say. Rogers' teams can't defend, let's be honest. They were oh, attacked, yeah, but they just can't defenders. defend. So, especially if they sell Maguire. I mean, we're talking about, what's his name? They're Morgan. Jesus. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also Pereira was just should not be six million because he cannot keep a clean sheet. I don't care how many assists he gets. Yeah, agree. Aves Vardal at Aves Vardal. Triple FC defense with Sterling Kane captain rotation. Thoughts? I mean, I I already touched on it. I think three is overkill. But do you guys? I know Adam said. I want to buy it at that Liverpool <laughs> attack. Yeah, yeah it's a bit too team rich team. for me. I, I, two, uh, yeah, I can see that, but um, but three, no, I, w- I would not want to watch a Liverpool match without a Liverpool attacker. Can't be dealing with that. Yeah, stress. agree. And it's always that clean. Can you just imagine that clean sheet? Oh gosh, no, I can't. <laughs> Jason Donny at Donny uh, underscore Jason. Do you think Kane is more attractive after the transfer of Ndombele? Does it impact Ali as an asset, and does it mean Mora is a risk having in for in your for team uh, for game week one? Could be a good one for Adam that one. Um, I'll, we'll have to wait and see on it. It it could be because I think they'll win the ball back quicker potentially. Um, I think it'll have a positive impact on Spurs. I I, I think Harry Kane's good enough to be massively impacted by other players. Um, Depends how sharp he is. Um, Ali, Ali's interesting as well because he, he um, think he had a relatively poor season last year. So it'll be interesting if he um, where he plays, where he starts, if, uh, if 
you know, he, he could he could emerge because was he down to eight million, eight and a half million. He potentially could emerge as a decent value option later in the season. But yeah, it's too early to say. I, I don't. Um, I haven't got enough enough evidence to to really answer that at the moment. Yeah, I mean, look, we need and Dombele needs to adapt to the Premiership as well. Uh, Ali's definitely one of those. I put him in the frustrating bracket and could could yeah. benefit from this. And I think, as Kylie touched on it, Kane coming back fresh. He's he's right now in my team. Let's see let's see what happens in the preseason. Um, I'll definitely be interested in James's feedback. I know he's going, he's planning to go to the preseason games, and we see what's uh, what's going on. Right, last question, Husky Nation um, at Husky Nation one. Biggest decision appeared to be around formation, and if shift more towards the back and Lesper up front, uh, would it be smart to go with that premium striker? We touched on it. So I don't think we need to cover it again, to be honest. You know, we've talked about it a lot in the in the pod. So I think it's it just depends if you want to have a balance around your team or not. Great stuff, folks. Um, and at this point of the podcast, we normally give our game week plans, captain pick, punt of the week. However, with game week one still some way away, let's change it up a little bit. Um, I come to you, Adam, on this. Um, I'd like a bargain bin goalkeeper, defender, midfielder and forward, which you think has the best chance to be a top 10 player at his position this season. We're all, of course, looking for these uh, these bargain players who will um, who will break out and get massive price rises and completely um, bust their uh, their points per value, basically, uh, ratio. But um, tell me, we're, we're putting a price limit on for maybe the goalkeepers and defenders of 4.5 mil and forwards and midfielders, maybe 8 mil. Um, but Adam, give me some of your um, your bargain bin nominations at each position, if you don't mind. Goalkeepers, I think you need, I think Tom Heaton, by the looks of it, he's got a good chance of joining Villa. So, yeah, Heaton at Villa could be a bargain option, but I think what it also does is it means Nick Pope at Burnley. And um, you saw the season that he had a couple of years back. So I think both of them in their own right could end up being 4.5, good 4.5 options. So I'd, I'd probably look at, I'll probably look at those two and it just depends. You know, and I think Heaton going to Villa will be will be a good move for, for both of them. Defenders is tough. Um, I've, I've mentioned Tyro Mings. I think Matt Target as well. It, they're both good 4.5 million options. I'm trying to think of, of, of other ones away from away from Villa um, who have potentially put on um, a watch list. I don't there aren't there aren't loads, I don't think that um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody. It is, t- it is tough at defenders um, mm. to come up with those 4.5s. Um, I think the the preseason and those first two games maybe will uh, will show us will show us who we can kind of um, be slotting in there. I think at the moment we're yeah. just. Yeah, I think as you, I mean the Villa the Villa defenders Tyrone Mings. Um, I definitely am going to be looking after looking at him after uh, after tonight's podcast anyway. So we can go with him for tonight if you'd like. Yeah, we'll stick, we'll stick, we'll stick, we'll stick with him. I think midfielders under eight million. Uh, I, I would say it'll be. I think the, the probably the place to start is Leicester. There's three very good options, you know, in Perez, Madison, and, and Tillemans. I think that one or potentially a couple of them could do really well. And I think the other one, the other one is it depends what happens with Zaha at um, Palace because I think. If he stays there, and who knows what will happen there, I think it'll be good for both him and Milivojevic. And I think both of them at seven million are going to be 
up there. Um, and then a pro- probably the one that not a lot of people have talked about. A lot of people have talked about Sigurdsson, but almost nobody's mentioned Richarlison. And I think he start, he's, he, he's got better. I think, like we talked about Madison earlier, about players that are getting better. He's just been in the Brazil squad that's won the Copa, Copa de America. So I, I think he could get better again. He, he tends to have a little spell, doesn't he, after Christmas and the second half mm. the season where he struck. But I think he's been in England, it'll be his third year in England now, and he got his 12 or 13 goals last year, which is a really good return. So I think he's somebody that's not on anyone's radar. Sigurdsson missed a few penalties last year. Richarlison scored a penalty the other night, so could you know he's he's quite a confident lad. Could could that could the uh, penalties change things with him potentially? I think the VAR thing could be a really interesting um, cat among the pigeons this season, with uh, with players getting their their value boosted massively based on if they're on pens or not. Yeah, exactly. You obviously got Chelsea midfielders as well. Uh, I think William will step up with Hazard. Um, not being there I think his best position for me has always been on the left cutting inside and I think he'll give him a bit of an opportunity to play there um, see I like, I like William but <clears throat> him and Pedro will always be vying for for, for for similar position I mean okay maybe they play different but you know normally it's William on Pedro off Pedro off William on let's see if Lampard changes that I think what that's int- because Hazard was holding on that position and he wasn't coming off though maybe because, um... what what interests me with Chelsea is definitely Ruben Loftus-Cheek and, and Cho yeah. those two Chelsea could be goal mine if they start playing and I think Frank you know we could even see Mount starting for Chelsea I think Lampard no, I was going to say yeah. Barclays there's quite a few that's this- it's quite I think Quite interesting that the value options this year are going to come from potentially a top six side, which is, yeah. which is mm. quite, quite. Yeah, simple. and if, if and Arsenal. Then, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to go and then forwards, probably sticking with Chelsea. If Giroud starts at 7 million, an absolute steal. Um, you know, or, and, or, or you Abraham. Know, Abraham. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's. There's some brilliant options there. I like Yotta as well. I think um, Jota, I think he'll do well at, at Wolves. I think he finishes season strongly. Yeah, we have to be low. careful now. There's two Jotas, right? There's one at Villa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he's pronounced. So, so um, yeah, I, I, I think he'll do well. And I, I'd obviously love to see uh, um, love to see Wesley do well at Villa. I think who knows on that? I think that that's just literally the unknown. So. Yeah, what about, uh, the old schools like uh, Lee Sharp or McGoldrick at Sheffield United. Any? I don't really know much about them. Uh, any? So, Billy Sharp is is a bit of a he's a bit of a poacher. He'll do, he'll do well. Is he a Murray-esque type player? Well, yeah, not not not. I don't. I think Murray's got probably the physical side to play in the Premier League. I think um, Sharp's always done quite well in the lower leagues, and he's a goal scorer. The problem is, and but then Sheffield United do tend to play two up top. So I think the problem is, is that with with, with the way the game's moving, does he do enough to um, to warrant playing up front by himself? I think Sheffield United play two up two up top, so it could be an option, but. I think both them and Norwich will will struggle personally. Yeah, they're um, yeah, no, they definitely. But nothing it's, to it's do very, with the fact that they support Villa. Eh? 
no disrespect <laughs> to um to Villa or to uh Sheffield United and so on. But um yeah. But uh, the, the it's interesting as you good point there is that actually a lot of the value is in those teams that are going to be vying for the for the top six positions, whether it's Chelsea um, or Leicester or uh Wolves. That there is actually a lot of value there. Yeah, no, exactly. I'd, I'd agree with you there. Excellent stuff. Um, and folks, I think that's all we got time for on tonight's show. Um, thanks very much to our guest Adam, who you can find at Adam at H. What is it? At a Hopcraft thirteen. <laughs> I knew I was going to stumble over that one, Adam. Anyway, we have been Mars. You can find at Mars zero five. Kylie, you can find at Kylie FBL. Myself, you can find at the Marble Curse. And um, and do check us out at Three Amigos FBL and um, like and subscribe to the show for to get more of this during the season. Thanks as always for your support. Good luck in the coming season. Adios, amigos. One for each other and all for one. The three brave amigos are we. Brother to brother and everyone. A brave amigo.